0: Before, we, before we're seated, I, I want to read some scripture that we're going to look at today in the book of Luke, chapter 7, about a woman who certainly found out that Jesus was in the place. And when she found out that Jesus was in the place, something very specific happened that I think is important for us to see together today. So, Luke chapter 7 says When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed him. She poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, watch what he says to himself. He says, if this man, talking about Jesus, were a prophet, then he would know who was touching him right now. He would know that this woman is a sinner. She's a sinner. Jesus then looks at him and says, he says, he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, the man, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water from my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Jesus, we ask you right now, over the next few minutes that we're together, that you would illuminate your word in a way that only you can do. There's a lot of different people with different lifestyles and different thought processes and raised a different way and believe in a different way. Lord, we're all gathered today to open up your word and to pour our attention on you. And there, everybody's here on purpose because not for a minute have you forsaken them. And so I pray that every person would hear exactly what you want them to hear today. And it's in your name we pray. Everybody said. Hey, before you're seated, do me a favor. Grab the person beside you. Tell them the title of my sermon. Grab them and say, I feel a culture shift. I feel a culture shift. Shake them a little bit if you can. Shake them a little bit. Say, I feel a culture shift. Things are moving. Things are moving. Things are changing. I feel a culture shift. Do you believe that everything has a culture? Thank you. Three of you are with me. I'll make sure to stay over this side. Last week, we talked about culture, and we, we asked you over the, the next seven days to really pray about what God would have you change about the culture of your life, whether it's your married life or your parenting life or your financial life or your dating life or your career life or whatever, what God might be saying to you about your culture, and hopefully you did it, and it allows me the opportunity this morning to, to kind of add on to a part two, and I, I even think next week I'm gonna finish this up with a part three. This series was supposed to be one Sunday-long and God has really moved in my heart on this topic, but every generation experiences a culture shift. E- every generation, every generation has cultural things. So, for example, uh, whether you were born in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s, the 90s, the early two, uh, 2000s, or or the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, or you know, if you're a miracle, um, and so so what, what, whatever whatever generation you're in, you you've you've all had culture, right? We we have like, culture when it comes to the toys we had. Like, how many of y'all Tickle Me Elmo was a thing? Right? Y'all remember that? Is that not the most inappropriate toy we've ever given kids? (laughs) Ever. Like, ever. Um... I was at somebody's birthday party uh, ye- uh, yesterday, and it was a superhero party, and he got a bunch of action figures, and it was a party specifically for the Turtle Gang, is what it was specifically for. That's, that's the inside thing that y'all don't, they, they don't understand about the Turtle Gang. Um, but, but he had action figures, and I started remembering uh, all the action figures I had as a kid, and it's just it's just culture, and then culture shifts. For example, if you're born in the 70s, here, here's, I'm going to give you three things that are always culturally strong. Number one is fashion trends. Number two are Dances. And number three is language, okay? So if you were born in the 70s, you probably had a fashion trend of like bell bottoms, right? Y'all remember bell bottoms? And then, then we had the, uh, uh, the hustle. You remember the hustle, right? Anybody in here remembering the hustle? We're, we're dating people out here for a second. And then you had words like groovy, right? Groo- How you doing? I'm doing groovy. Like, you know what I mean? We, yeah, okay. We had people who talk like that now, but there's something else going on there. Oh, <laughs> groovy, groovy. And then the 80s come and, and the culture shifts a little bit. And instead of bell bottoms, you get uh, turtlenecks, right? They went from bell bottoms to turtlenecks, and you just all you just sweaty, all up here, just sweaty. Uh, you went from the hustle to the cabbage patch. Any of y'all remember the cabbage patch? Just, this is what it was, folks. This is this is what it was right here. This is it's just Will Smith would say in Hitch, just keep it right here. Just put it right here. Uh, you went from words like groovy to words like stoked. I'm stoked. How you doing? I'm stoked, man. I'm so stoked. I'm just stoked. Like, you hit me with it. I'm just, get the stoker. I'm so stoked. You know what I mean? Like, you just got to, and then you went from the 80s to the 90s. 90s is a little bit more my generation, so I remember a few more things. Like, for example, uh, I remember starter jackets. You remember starter jackets? You could get beat up for a starter jacket, all right? Literally, I could tell you stories. Uh, but I also thought, for you ladies, there were mood rings. You all remember mood rings, right? Nowadays, we call that marriage, um, that's a ring that tells you how you should feel, right? No? Well, all right. Good night. Y'all have a great time. We'll see you. Uh, so it was just a mood And then I, I was thinking about the dance. You went from, uh, the what did I just say, the cabbage patch to the Macarena. Remember the Macarena? oom ba 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 boom ba da do da da do da da I don't know the words, but hey, Macarena. All right. Here we go. <laughs> I'm glad that three of you are with me today. Um, I put a lot of prep into this message. Y'all better wake up. And, uh. I thought about this. Here was a word. You ready? Crunk. Oh man, that was my word. That was my. Every time somebody said, "Man, that's so crunk," that's crunk. If you ask me what that means, I don't know. But it was crunk. That's all I can tell you. Then, that, then the '90s kind of moving into the early 2000s, and you get out of starter jackets. I had one of these. You get into velour tracksuits. Ooh, hoo! I had an all beige one, the top matched the bottom, and I had like these beige shoes and I would wear them to the mall, and because you, here's what you did when I was a teenager, you walked the mall, you didn't buy anything because you couldn't afford anything, but you walked the mall hoping that some girl would look at you, and then you would look at her, neither one of you going to say anything, but you just like, she looked at me, bro, you see, it's the velour track suit was the reason, if I'm going to be honest, right? Uh. We had dances like, oh man, what was I thinking about? There was the macarena, and then there was the, oh, the cha-cha slide, cha-cha slide, the dance that allows every white person to dance at a wedding, right? <laughs> the dance that tells you slide to the left, slide, and then where you messed them up, crisscross. <laughs> we don't know how to crisscross, right? Uh, and then, and here was the word of that generation, oh, or words. Are y'all ready for this? Bling, bling. Some of y'all don't know what that meant. Like, got on my bling bling. This is my, well, I don't have any bling. But yeah, bling bling. If it shined, if it blinged, it was bling bling. All right, so that's, you just see the culture shift. Now, 2019, I've got a nine-year-old, so I'm learning a little bit more about the culture. I, I honestly couldn't figure out a fashion trend for 2019. Like, like, it seems like everything's coming back, right? Like, we're just recycling stuff. And then I thought when it comes to the dance, and my daughter can do all these, there's the floss. Do y'all know the floss? I, it's something like this. You do something like this. And then you do something like this. Uh, and then there's the shoot, which the first time my daughter told me about that, I was like, why does your, the dance you're doing called the shoot? Because you're not doing anything that, in, that resembles shoot. It's like you kind of do like a little jump thing. Um, <laughs> hey, but I'm going to tell you right now, I got a message. Don't, uh-uh. I got a message coming up in about a two weeks called Catch the Woe. And you don't want to, it's, I'm, I'm going to show you something that day. Uh, but, but, but it was, the sh- and then here, are the, I, the words to me are the best, though. This is what I really love about this generation is because the words are completely stupid, okay? Um, for example, there was, there's one called uh, thirsty. Y'all, y'all are familiar with thirsty? It does not mean that you would like a drink of water. Uh, apparently, it means that, that you would like a tall glass of water, You're like, in a guy. I didn't know. Um, and then there is one, this, this was the one I've, I found out recently. It's tea. All right, not sweet tea. Tea means gossip. So if somebody comes to you and goes, "Oh, oh, you want to spill the tea? Or you want this lady came up to me in the lobby one time. She said, I got some tea for you. And I was like, great. <laughs> I, I just preached. I'm thirsty. What is it? Uh, can you put some ice in it? And she's like looking at me, and I'm like, what is tea? And then she tells me, like, why is it tea? Why wouldn't it be G, right? Gossip starts with a G. Why wouldn't we make it, hey, I got some G. And, and, and then here was, here's one that I just found out recently. I don't know if you know about this one. Dripping. Dripping is the new bling bling. That's what I'm like, I like dripping better than bling bling. Like, I wish they would have came up with dripping. But anyway, so that's, all right, you're, there it is. There you have it. Um, you're all educated now on current culture. And I, I just wanted you to see how culture shifts, right? Culture will just kind of shift on you. And, and, and what, what I think one of the lies that we often believe is that culture can't be changed. Isn't it funny how when we have bad culture, we act like we can't change it, but yet all around us, culture is changing on a daily basis. So we're being, we're, we're being shown that culture can change. It can shift because here's the deal. Culture is not created by accident. Culture is created by two things, what you allow and what you create. So, so it's what you create and then it's what you allow. Last week, we talked about uh, what you allow. We talked about how some of the things in your life, you need to get the whip, right? You just need to get the whip and start nay-naying and just get some stuff out of your life and just stop doing this. And it was what you allow, stuff you shouldn't allow to be happening in your home. And I want to talk to you briefly this morning about the things that you're creating and how to create correct culture. I believe there are two ways you create culture. And the first way is this, through routine. Culture is just created through routine. This would be culture that's created by tradition, okay? For example, it's the culture in your life that you do simply because somebody else used to do it before you. You just adopted it. Mom did it, dad did it, brother did it, sister did it, friend did it, uh, uh, pastor did it, whatever, and you just adapted that culture. It's, It's traditional culture. In Luke chapter 7 verse 36, we read a verse that sounded like it had all the information we needed. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he got in the lazy chair, right? He reclined at the table, got in the lazy boy, conversation over, that made sense. Jesus entered, he walked in, he sat down, nothing's missing. But there is so much missing in this one verse if you are familiar with Jewish culture. If you don't understand culture, this verse looks very fine to you. But if you understood the culture then, you would say, hey, something's not right about this verse, and let me explain to you what that culture was. There were three things that you would do when somebody you invite comes over to your house for dinner. So they'd come over to your house, they'd knock on your door, you would let them in, and the first thing you would do is you would greet them with a kiss. A lot of times it was the kiss, 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 it just depends on how you are about, you know, physical touch. But it it was just, it was a kiss, it was a greeting of a kiss. Next is you would wash their hands and feet, definitely their feet, okay? And here's why, because they wore sandals, they didn't have harachis back then, and so they would wear sandals and they'd be walking through the dirt and the dust and their feet would get really dirty, and so it was just an honor system where you would wash their feet before they came in for dinner. The last thing you would do is you would take a fragrance oil and you would pour it on their head and it would act as a deodorant because back then people smelled bad uh, and so they'd come into your house for a fancy dinner and now you've, you don't want them in there with dirty feet and n- smelling nasty and so it was just culturally uh, uh, correct for you to put the oil on their head, create a deodorant smell, wash their feet, and greet them with a kiss. But as you read that, we see that the Pharisee, who we find out later is named Simon, didn't do any of these things. Not, not one. He didn't greet Jesus with a kiss. He didn't wash Jesus' feet. He, he, he didn't put oil on his head. He didn't do any of it. He skipped it all. And if you were paying attention when I read, Jesus ended up addressing it a little bit later in the verses. And we're going to look back at that in a second. And he was pointing it out. And here's why. Because the culture that Simon was dealing with was all in his head and not in his heart. And when you have a culture that is created by routine, you will be completely confident in the what, but you'll be unsure about the why. I know what I'm doing, but I don't really know why I'm doing it, right? Like, like I'm, I'm doing it consistently, and I've been doing it, but I don't know why I'm doing it. I heard this story about this man who every Thanksgiving his wife would take the ham for Thanksgiving and she would cut off about one-third of the ham. I don't know if y'all have heard this story. She'd cut off about one-third of the ham and she'd take it and she'd throw it in the trash can. And then she'd put that ham in the oven and cook it. And this happened year after year after year after year. And finally her husband said, okay, honey, I've got to ask you. Because you are throwing away good ham. What are you doing? Why do you cut about one-third of the end of the ham off, throw it in the trash, and then put it in the oven? Why do you do that? And his wife said, well, to be honest with you, I don't know. My mother always did it, so he said, "Okay." So he went and got the phone and he called her mom and he said, "Hey, mother-in-law, I got a question for you. Your daughter cuts off about one third of the ham pour- towards the end. She takes it; it's good ham, and she throws it in the trash can, and then she cooks the other two thirds. And I want to know why." And she said, "She does it because you do it, and so I'm calling you to find out why you do it." And the mom said, "I don't know. My mom always did it." And so he's like, "Oh!" So he hangs up with her and he calls his wife's grandmother. And he says, Grammy, I got to ask you a question. I don't know if that's what he called her, but he probably should. He said, I got to ask you a question. My wife cuts off one-third of the ham. It's good ham. She puts it in the trash can, and then she puts the rest of the ham in the oven. And I asked her why. And she said she didn't know why, but she did it because her mom did it. And I called her mom. She said, I don't know why she does it, but she did it because you did it. And I'm calling you to find out why do you do it. And grandmother started laughing. And she said, because when I was young, the only pan we had couldn't fit a whole ham. And so she said, I had to cut it off to make it fit. How many things are we doing, and we don't know why we're doing it, right? How many cultures have we developed in our life, and we know the what, but we have no idea about the why? Well, why do you raise your kids like that? Well, it's the way my mom raised me, right? Well, why do you believe that? Why do you, why do you go to church? Why do you do that? Well, that's it, what my parents always did. The, that's the religion I was raised in, Right? Why do you do that financially, or, 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 or why do you treat your husband like that? Why do you serve your husband? Because my wife, or because my mother always served my father, and so I watched it, and so therefore I do it. Or hey, why do you marry a man who mistreats you? Because my dad always mistreated my mom, and so I've always seen it, and therefore I just expect it, because it's the culture that I allow to become routine, simply because it's tradition, and so I know what, but I don't know why. Why? And how many cultures have we established in our life today that we know what we're doing, but we don't know why we're doing it? Yeah. Now, hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Tradition is great. Okay, there's a lot of great traditional things. My family and I, every fall break, we go see my dad. That's a tradition, it's fantastic. Every time I take Veda to school, there's four things I make her say before she gets out of the car. That's just a tradition because when she's 30 years old, I want her to remember that her dad loves her. She's going to have a good day. I want her to remember that Jesus is going to love her, and I want her to remember that she's beautiful. So I just make her say that, and, and now she can say it. She almost says it like, like, you know, oh, I'm beautiful, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't go into routine on me, girl. Put some heart into it, right? There's tradition. Jesus, according to the Bible, it was his custom to go to prayer every morning. Every early morning, he would distance himself and go to prayer. That's tradition. It's great. If you have tradition in your family, don't go home and be like, Pastor said, we can't do this anymore. It's traditional. It's not what I'm saying. But if you are doing something simply because it's always been done, and your head's in it, but your heart's not in it, and honestly, you don't like the results that it's giving you, but you keep doing it because it's always been done. If you're not careful, you will keep doing something and lose heart in it, And when you lose heart, you lose passion. And without passion, you become passive. Why do you do it? Uh, It's just what we've always done. So Jesus tells Simon, verse 44 through 46, watch this. He says, turns towards the woman, so he looks at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. He says, man, you let me come into your house. You let me come into your house And you did not give me any water for my feet. Yet this woman has collected enough tears to wash my feet, and now she's drying them with her hair. Man, you let me come into your house, and you didn't put oil on my head, and she has put perfume on my feet. You let me come into your house, and you didn't give me any kisses, and this woman has not stopped kissing me. Jesus is pointing out, you have gotten so caught up in this being a routine, you have lost heart for it, and now you have become passive in regards to it. And when you lose passion, you become passive. It's why we can have family dinner, but everybody's on their phone. Because it's culture, but we've become passive. Why do you go on date nights and only fight and complain? Because it's what we should do, but it's not producing the results that you want. So why keep allowing a culture to exist that's just routine when it's not producing the results that you desire? Maybe something should change. But listen, people who allow their culture to be built off routine, they don't know how to handle people who have a revelation. Best example... Kanye West. The world is freaking out right now. Let me tell you what I like do with Facebook. I like to prop my feet up, open up Facebook, and watch people's stupid comments. You know what I mean? I, I've typed out stuff before and then like hit the delete button. You know what I mean? That's counseling. Get on there, talk bad about people, and then delete, 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 and don't actually post it. all right It's, it's soothing. Okay? But, but I'm watching this and it's like everybody's talking about Kanye and is it real and what if he, who cares? Right? Who cares? The point is, he's had a revelation. He's had a revelation. I told a guy in the gym. I said, you know what? Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, and he still let him be a part of miracles. Here's what I know about my Jesus. He doesn't care what you're going to do. He wants you to be a part of what you are, what he is right now. Right? So, so Kanye has this revelation, and if you've seen this interview he did with uh, James Corden, where it's just profound. Right? James Corden said, "Well, what do you do at night?" Kanye West said, "I read my Bible." James Corden said, "Wait, you do what?" Because we're not used to Christians who read their Bible. I'll step over here. Sorry. Um, that spot was sensitive over there. Okay, can hear the boards moving. Um, and then towards the interview, he was asking, he's like, what, what do you say to the people who say, like, you're, you know, you're doing this now, but you're going to burn out, or it's not real, blah, 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 blah. He says something so profound. By the way, I've never seen him smile so much in my life. And I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be a liar if I told you I didn't listen to his music before he got saved. I do. And I've listened to his music since he got saved. there's just something different in his voice. And the Bible talks about It's the joy in my salvation, right? So he tells James Corden, he says, uh, well, he, he talks about like unsaved people, people who don't know Jesus. He said they're asleep. And he says that those who know him have been awakened. That's a revelation. And listen to me. When you have a revelation, it changes routine. Nothing will shift routine like a good revelation. And that's the second way we create culture. So the first way is just routine. Oh, I just, I just always did it. Mama always did it. Mama always cut the ham, put it in the trash can, and so I do it. It's just routine. The other way for us to create culture is by revelation. All right, so watch this. Luke 7, verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, everybody say this word with me, learned. Did that come up on the screen? Did y'all see it? Say it again learned, alright, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Some of us, when we read that, that word learned becomes uh, like intelligence and educational. She learned about Jesus. Oh, Jesus is there. Oh, like, like, like learn. It wasn't about education, and it wasn't about uh, uh, intelligence. It was about intimacy, okay? Let me explain. That word learned was originally, all the Bible was originally written Hebrew, Greek, right? The Greek word that they took and translated to make the English word learned, they read it in Greek and said, hmm, I think learned best fits our language in this verse. And sometimes they just don't quite hit the nail on the head, okay? Because sometimes what, what, what Greek and Hebrew would say in the, it would just say in the spirit, English can't quite get across, okay? So it said learned, but the word was genoscope. That same word is the word used in the book of Genesis when it refers to, the, to Adam knowing Eve. Okay? Now we're in the concept of intimacy. So Adam knows Eve. It's the way you know your spouse. It's the way you know your kids. Right? And I don't, I don't mean sexual when I say intimacy. I just mean closeness. Right? Intimacy. So when the Bible says she learned of Jesus, it means she had this eye-opening experience. It means she, she intimately knew Jesus, make sense? So watch this, a revelation, which is what she had, has a way of causing a culture shift. You can have culture, oh, this is what we do, this is what we do, but when you have a revelation, an eye-opening moment, like salvation, something, something shifts, and it just moves over. I'll give you some examples. When I was about 11 years old, the culture at that time, it was completely normal, and y'all will be able to amen me in a second if you remember this, it was completely normal for me to get on the bike with my friends while both of my parents were at work at about 2, 2.33, whenever we got out of school, and we would ride miles down the street to a whole, I lived in an apartment complex, to a whole different apartment complex because they had a ditch, and we didn't have a ditch. And we would play in the ditch, right? And what was the one rule you had? (laughs) That that was culture. I didn't have a cell phone. I was miles away. My parents were probably in like 30 or 40 minutes away working. And I'm with a bunch of hoodlums, my friends. And we're in a ditch somewhere (laughs) playing with dead rats. You know what I mean? That's a true story. I'll use that later. Uh, we don't do that now? If my daughter came to me and said, Dad, me and my friends, we're going to jump on the bike, and we're going to go about 30 minutes over to Laverne, and we're going to play in a ditch. Like, no, you're not. Why? What's the difference? It's not that I love my kids more than my parents loved me, although that is for up for debate. The, the reason is this. We've had revelation. Because now a kid will get kidnapped doing that, or way worse. And so something has happened. It's been both informational, but it's also been intimate. it's, It's here in my heart. And so out of the fear and out of the knowledge that I now have and what shifted me, now you don't do that. Now when my kids go on the playground that is literally 20 steps from my backyard, me and Darla look out the window like this the whole time. What are they doing? What are they doing? Because it's a culture shift. My dad came in town a couple months ago. He's low 60s, 63, I think. Um, dad, hope I'm right. And so um, he, he told me some culture when he was a kid. And so depending on your age, this might relate more to you. I thought this was really interesting. Apparently, when he was a child, shopping day was Saturday. Like that was just the thing. Like you didn't shop during the week. Saturday, you went grocery shopping. You went clothes shopping. You went, you know, uh, laundry deterrent. Whatever you needed, you got on Saturday. And then the rest of the week, you know, Sunday was church and rest, and then Monday through Friday was work. So he said, he had a little brother at the time. He said, uh, uh, whatever, grandma and grandpa would take him and his brother to to the outlet. You know, it's kind of like a downtown area. He said they would park their car, roll the back windows down about halfway, and they would go shopping all day while him and his brother were just in the car. I said, Dad, what did y'all do? He said, we both had one action figure. He said, that's what we had. Both had one action figure. And we, he said, we'd play for hours. And he said, you could just see cars lined up of just kids in the back seat. Over. I thought, I could never do that now. <laughs> Casey Ray would be on I-24 like, woo, woo, hit the radio, Vader. You know what I mean? Like, it just, that can't happen anymore, right? They didn't leave me in the car because there had been a revelation that caused a Culture shift. You see what I'm saying? This is normal for us. Every one of you at some point in your life have had a revelation that shifted some culture in your life. It just shifted. You didn't apologize for it. It just shifted. Why? Last week I said culture always trumps vision. And I'm right. This week I want to tell you revelation always trumps routine. Always. It'll always trump routine. And here's why. Because now instead of your culture being built on society, it's built on your story. Right? Well, why do you do that? Some people say, well, I did it because mom did. It. I did it because dad, I did it because they do. No, no. Here's why I do this. It's now my story. Some people like to call it, depending on the situation, my testimony. It's revelation of what is happening in my life, and now things have shifted. I found out, I was about 15 or 16, and I found out that my dad was a heavy, heavy cigarette smoker before I was born. And that blew my mind because I had never seen him even touch a cigarette in, you know, what did I say I was, 15, 16 years old. So I, in 15 or 16 years, I had never seen him even, you know, touch a He didn't even have friends who smoked. And so I was like, that's, that's weird, Dad. You know, like, I, I would have never thought that. What happened? I'll never forget this. He told me, he said, I was in the doctor's office one day, and your mother was pregnant with your sister. She's about four years older than me. And he said, the doctor looked over. This is right when secondhand smoke was starting to be like a big thing. Like people were starting to realize this is bad. Um, used to, you know, it'd be like, hey, here, kid, hold my cigarette. You know, like he's just kind of, you know, and they were finding this out. And uh, the doctor looked at my dad, and he said, he said, uh, the secondhand smoke from your cigarettes will kill both your kids, or will kill your kid. You know, I was going to be born yet. Will kill your kid before the actual smoke in the cigarette will kill you. And I guess it scared my dad, obviously. He liked my sister, I guess. And so that's up for debate. And um, and he just decided. He just decided to shift. And he just stopped. Colt took, I thought that was so interesting. I'm like, man, that's, that's the power of a revelation. Darla made me listen to a podcast one time. And the podcast was from an older woman who was expressing how when she was young, her dad was great. But her dad never showed her, like, physical... Uh, affirmation and and intimacy and love, and so as she got older, she started looking for that in men. She didn't get in her dad, so she started looking for that in other men, and at that moment, I said, I'm going to have daddy-daughter dates with my girls as often as I can because it's revelation that's now shifting culture. Make sense? Something has happened, and therefore, it's shifted. Now, watch this. I put a different saying on the board, but the Lord gave me a different word this morning, and it's more catchy, and I want you to post about it. You ready? You can't understand my shift until you know my story. You can't understand my shift until you know my story. Hey, hey, why did you do that? You got to know my story. Why did you shift over here? How come you don't do that anymore? When I was about 17, 18 years old, I was the worst uh, uh, cusser I had the worst mouth language. And and, and when I got saved and started going to church, I wanted to change that. I remember I changed instantly. My dad was like, what? what, what?" He he was so confused because he wasn't saved. And so he was like, why did you stop cussing? It's like, something happened with Jesus. It was just, and and until you know my story, you won't understand my shift. Some of us in here, you got a shift, right? You've had a shift, and people don't understand your shift because they don't understand your story. And we have to be able to understand it. Here's the language for it. I've had a revelation that's now changed my culture. Because once there's a story behind it, there can be a shift. Look, not everybody's going to like your shift. Okay? It's going to happen. You just got to look at them and say, hey, man, I'm full of shift. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's just, it's my story. How many of you can testify to that? Have you ever had a shift before? Right? God did something in your life. Am I the only one in here that has a story of what God's done in my life and his faithfulness and his greatness? And because of him, I got a shift. I've had some things shift. Tell my parents, I got a shift. Tell my boss, there's a shift. Co-workers, there's a shift. Something's happening. I talk to people all the time that say since they've been coming to victory, there's been a shift. We're going to baptize some people today who thanks to Jesus, there's been a shift. You know what water baptism is? Telling everybody about your shift. Y'all got to get this in your spirit. Because if you hadn't shifted yet, it's time to shift. I I feel a culture shift. Me and Pastor Brian were talking this week, and God is doing something in in this culture concept. God is moving in this. There's, There's a shift. But if you don't know my story... You won't understand my shift. In verse 38, I thought this was pretty interesting. It says that as she stood behind him at his feet whipping, weeping, sorry she began to wet his feet with her tears. So, so this woman is bawling her eyes out. So watch this. We don't know her story, but judging by her emotion, we know she has one, Right? She has to have a story. There has to be something that, that drew her into that place. Something was shifting because of a story. And, and when I really started dwelling on this thought, I want you to understand that everybody in here who I know, more than just a handshake, you've given me the opportunity to get to know you, which if I don't, you need to go to grow Track and join the Dream Team so I can get to know you. Anytime I write a sermon, I try to process it through me first and then through you. And I started thinking if you start reflecting on your story, there's a good chance that you're going to bring up tears. Right? Because I'm learning that revelation often comes packaged with pain. Because often when I look at my story, watch this, my story is about how I failed about the mistakes that I made the things that I should have done better and so I'm reading this and I'm like man she's crying because she's had a revelation of her story and I thought that you would say to me how does that help me how how does me having a revelation of how bad I am help my culture shift and I felt the spirit of God tell me this we stop our revelation too soon. We stop our revelation at how bad we are. Her revelation went on until she realized how good he is. Wow. So much of us stop at how bad we are. Oh, God, I need oh, man, my marriage, oh, my kids, oh, I'm so hard. All, all the time I'll tell people, I, I feel so bad for my oldest because I was so wrapped up in the church in Memphis and I didn't know how to pastor well um, that I don't feel like I gave my oldest the time she needed in that age. And it hurts. But I can't stop there. Because I still have life with her, right? So what you can't do is you can't pause at how bad you are. You have to keep having revelation until you realize how good he is. And if you can get past how bad you are, you start to open up just how good he is. And that right there is the actual revelation that causes a culture shift. You will never change your culture talking about how bad you are. What do people say? My marriage is horrible. I want things to change. Do they ever change? No. No. My finances are horrible. I got no money. Does a culture shift happen? No. Because as long as you just focus on how bad you are, nothing shifts. If you focus on how, the mistakes you make, nothing shifts. The shift happens when you take the focus off of how bad you are and put it on how good he is. And when that happens, there's a shift. It's a shift. So, so, so again, I'm reading this, right? And I don't know if y'all saw it, but, but I'd never really seen this before because I always either heard this preached or I said it to myself that she arrived, watch, she came to anoint his feet with the perfume. That's the way I used to read this story, that she was out doing her thing. Now, now, in case you didn't catch it we were reading it, she was a prostitute, a well-known prostitute, and that's where they got that label sinner from her, okay? So that, that was her lifestyle. So I thought... Here's this prostitute roaming around outside looking for Jesus. And once she learns, I thought, that, hey, Jesus is in that house. I thought she went to that house with that perfume, excuse me for the perfume, to anoint the feet of Jesus. That's what I thought it was about. But then when I read that verse, here's what it said. She was standing behind him with the perfume weeping. So can I tell you what I think happened? You don't have to believe this if you don't, but, but, but this is what I think happened. I don't think she came there to wash his feet. I think she came there because she just needed to be in the presence of Jesus. Because she didn't know what to do with how bad she was. So I'm going to give you evidence of this in a minute. So she comes. She, I don't think she knocked on the door. I think she walked right in. Culturally, she shouldn't have been there because, A, she was a woman, and they didn't, they didn't give respect and honor to women that day. B, she shouldn't have been there because she was a sinner, a prostitute. C, she shouldn't have been there because this was a Pharisee's house, and he didn't invite her. Uh, uh, D, she shouldn't have been there because Jesus was kind of a public figure at the time. So if you remember, people were trying to keep, it's like if Kanye walked in today, he'd have like a posse with him. So people were trying to keep people away from Jesus. And so she, she just broke all the cultural boundaries by being in this, in this house. So I think she came in. Remember, it said she was holding her perfume. Watch this. For her, the purpose of this perfume would have been to give her a scent that would lure men in to sleep with her. That's what the purpose of the perfume was. So when it says she showed up with it, I think, honestly, I think she was on her way to another evening. And then she had a revelation. And then she said, I got to get in this house. She comes in the house, okay? Watch this. She's standing behind Jesus. She's crying because have you ever noticed that you'll get emotional just when you get in the presence of God? Some of y'all come in here crying. You know? I told a lady last week I said, We're gonna get shirts made to say, don't wear makeup to church. Because you just come in this place and start crying because he's so good. He's so good. It's it's why do I cry? Because he's so good. And so she's standing behind him, crying, right? Holding this perfume, standing behind him. She's crying. Here's what I think happened. She's crying. And now I think she goes, nobody washed his feet. Nobody put oil on his head. They didn't do culturally what they're supposed to do for Jesus. And then she said, I got to do it. Right? But I think that the Pharisee was so routine driven I don't even think he had the oil ready. I don't even think he had the basins with the water ready. I don't think he had any of it. Because if he did, I think it would have reminded him to do it. So now, if you're her, you're thinking, someone needs to anoint Jesus. Someone needs to wash Jesus' feet. Someone needs to. Someone. Someone. Who? Me? No, 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 no. Do you know who I am? No, no, no. I just stepped in for a second to just be in his presence. I, no, I can't. I, I, I'm a sinner. I can't. And then maybe she talked herself into it. Okay, well, you're going to have to. And then she was like, but I don't see any oil. How am I going to wash his feet if I don't have any water? And then she realized the only thing she had in her hand was the perfume and the very thing that used to symbolize the sinner that she was was about to be the very thing that gave worship to the Savior who forgave her of her sins see what I'm saying I love that she didn't say I'd wash his feet but I don't have anything what you're about to see is a culture shift and what this used to be known for It's now no longer known for that. Because Jesus has a way of making this turn into that. It's a culture shift, church. All you need to be is in the presence of God. And it's just something about Jesus. See, if we get it wrong, we start thinking it was because of what she did. She just showed up with what she's already got. You just show up with your broken marriage. It's all I got. You just show up with your kid that, that has run away from home and run away from all biblical standards and you're praying. You just show up with them. You show up with your sickness. You show up with your debt. You just show up with whatever you got. But do you know what this represents? Yes, I know what it represents. But guess what? Jesus knows how to repurpose it, Jesus knows how to reuse it, Jesus knows how to renew it. I was on the tre- on the treadmill, I think it was like Thursday or Friday, I was running, I wasn't feeling too good, so I was trying to run off some sickness, and, and I'm just praying and, and going over this message in my head and thinking about this situation, and, and the Spirit of God hit me with this word, it just said, renewed, renewed. I started crying on the treadmill. People are going to get used to me crying at that gym and start leaving, you know, like this is what's wrong with that kid. And I started thinking about that concept, renewed, that when a culture shift happens, what you came in with. Is now renewed. And what you brought in broken can shift into being healed. Well, what do I got to do? You just got to get in the presence of Jesus. Let me be even more clear. You've got to get Jesus into the presence of your situation. And then something can shift. And we can all day look at the perfume and be like, this is just, this is so horrible. I can't believe this. I just wish it would be fixed. And she just got it, just took it into the presence of Jesus. And he takes this and makes it that. Jeff, I'm going to use you for a second. Just keep playing. I'm going to set this right here. I'm going to close with this. I, I believe that God has us here right now on purpose so that we can start shifting culture before we get too far in. And I was processing this story and what God did with this woman. I started thinking about all of us and whatever broken culture that we have today, whatever thing you brought in today that you thought was completely unchangeable. It's unchangeable. Well, you don't know my home. It's unfixable. You don't know my kid. You don't know my... Bank account you don't know my boss you don't know the dude I'm dating you don't know the girl I'm dating you don't you don't know my parents it's, it's unchangeable it's unchangeable and I'm telling you right now that if you will make it a point to shift that culture off of a re- revelation of who Jesus is then something big happens but watch this so I had to stop It's about 25 years later after this moment, and this woman, she had a daughter, because Jesus told her she was forgiven. There was another culture shift. She came in a sinner, and she left saved. Culture shift, right? So she leaves, and she finds her a good man. She gets married. She has some kids. 20-something years later, I don't don't know the time frame. I don't know how old she was, but... I just, let me do it like this. I kept picturing it as if the little girl was nine. I got a nine year old. I kept picturing she was nine. And, and the lady, the sinner, now forgiven, she's in the makeup, I'm sorry, in the bathroom doing her makeup, right? And she's got a jar of that perfume on the counter. Because if you were her, that would now be your fragrance you know what I mean that's Chanel number five right there you know what I mean? like put that on me girl that, that I remember that story and and she runs in and she sees it roll with me on this bro roll with me on this if y'all will just stay with me for a few minutes I promise she runs in and she says she's you know she you all know how little girls are she's playing with mama's makeup you know mom what's that dude What's that do, Mom? What do you put on your eyelashes? She's asking all these silly questions. She's like, put her earrings on, they're too big for her, you know what I mean? And she's just grabbing stuff, and mom's just over there getting her hair done. I think she, I, I pictured her going on a date with her husband who loves her so much. It's forgiven her for all that ever happened because she's made new in Christ. And her daughter is grabbing stuff. And, and, and as she's moving stuff behind, she sees the perfume. She goes, Mama, what's that for? If it weren't for Jesus, she would have had to tell her daughter, this is what Mommy uses for work. And more than likely, as life went on, her daughter would have adopted that same culture. because of Jesus. It's not mommy uses it for work. It's mommy uses it for worship. And she gets to tell her about Jesus. And there's a culture shift. Don't be naive enough to think that your culture shift doesn't affect future culture shifts. Everything that we shift today impacts people long, long after us. But if there's anything I believe about Jesus, and if there's any reason why I would move my family here and start a church and preach like I do, is to tell you that if you'll just get in the presence of Jesus, he has a way of making this turn into that. Renewing and repurposing. And shifting your culture, and where you would have had to tell your kids one day, Mommy does this, now it's Mommy does that. Mommy and Daddy did it, no, Mommy and Daddy that. Because it's a culture shift. And I believe it for every one of you. And I believe it starts with you saying, Jesus, I just need you, I just need to be in your presence. Jamal, I am going to bring y'all up for a second. But can we do here again? After this psalm, Pastor Brian will come up and he's going to give you an opportunity to give your heart to the Lord. But even before that happens, Can we just have a moment where some cultures shift? Just a moment where we recognize that the Spirit of God is in this place. And whether you see yourself as the woman or whatever the situation is, you brought this into church. And Jesus wants to make it that. Would you stand with me? close your eyes. This may not be for you, but it may be for the person beside you, and it may be for the person in front of you, and I don't want for any way for them to be distracted in this moment. There wasn't one minute where he forsaken you. For his presence is in this place. If you believe that this morning, then in this moment, just just say that. Just say, Jesus, I know you're here. I need you. You can stand there and weep. You can speak to him. You can do whatever it is you need to do so that you can instill in you a culture-shifting moment. Lord, we come to you right now. And we ask you in the most humble of ways. We don't deserve to be in your presence. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that that compares to that woman, it's every one of us. And we don't deserve to be in that room in your presence. And all we've got is our current culture. And it may not be great. It may be okay. It may be routine. But God, we're coming to you today and asking you that you would take it from us and repurpose it and renew it and take what is this and make it that. So in your own words right now, would you just begin to speak to them? Would you begin to tell them what it is? Whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever that culture thing is,